morning. Thank you for joining us once again for our Word of the Day. This morning we're going to be looking at Job chapter number 3. And just to remind you where we are in the book of Job, uh, in chapter 1, of course, we meet this man named Job. And we don't know much about him. We don't know where he's from. He's not an Israelite. Uh, a lot of theologians date this book to before the flood. So there is no Israel. There's just humanity. But uh, he's not an Israelite. He's nowhere near uh, Israel at this time. But we do know that he's a wealthy man. He has a lot of possessions. He's very influential in his area. Uh, he's very powerful in his area. He has a lot of kids. who He, he loves his children. Uh, and he loves God. He, he fears God and uh, respects God. He is a, lives a righteous life. The Bible says he hates evil. He eschews evil, which means he goes out of his way to avoid sin. He even makes sacrifices for sins his children may have committed. And so he's a, he's a really, in, in our terms and in culture's terms, he's a great guy. And then one day Satan comes before God and God brings Job up to Satan and says, Hey, have you ever thought about Job? Man, he's a great guy. He loves me. He serves me. He respects me. And Satan says, Well, the only reason he does that is because you bless him so much because he's got so much stuff. So God says, look, you can do whatever you want to do to him, just don't, don't touch his body. So Satan uh, orchestrates a day where in one day Job loses everything, loses, his, health, loses his, his wealth, loses his children, just everything's wiped out, and he still doesn't uh, sin. He still doesn't curse God. He worships God and praises God and says, look, I came in the world naked. I'll leave the world naked. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And so once again, Satan comes before God and God says, see, I told you Job loved me for the right reasons. And he goes, well, he's only praising you because he's still healthy. Take away his health and he'll curse you. And so God says, okay, you know, touch him. T take away his health. Just don't kill him. So Satan gives him a disease where he's, he's covered in boils from his head to his toe. And in chapter 2, we see Job sitting in a landfill, uh, stripped down to just a, basically a loincloth, scraping his boils with a piece of broken pottery just to get some relief and his his friends see him, uh, they come to visit him, and they're so shocked by uh, how he looks and what he's suffering with that they just sit down and just almost weep with him. Uh, but the Bible says Job still doesn't sin against God with his lips. And then we come to chapter number uh, 3. And at this point, Job, he's lost everything. He's lost his health. He's lost his, his wealth. He's lost his family. His children are dead. He's lost the love of it and respect of his wife. His wife has come to him and said, why don't you just curse God and die? Uh, and he, he thinks at this point that he's lost the love of God. We're going to see that in chapter number 3. So in verse number 1, it says, After this, this is after seven days of his friends, his friends came to visit him. They sat down and for seven days said nothing. And so after seven days, after this, opened Job his mouth and cursed his day. And Job spake and said, Let the day perish wherein I was born, and the night in which it was said there was a man-child conceived. Let that day be darkened. Let not God regard it from above, neither let the light shine above it. Let darkness and the shadow of death stain it. Let a cloud dwell upon it. Let the blackness of the day terrify it. So at this point, Job is, is complaining. And what he says after seven days, he says, Man, I... I wish, I wish I'd ever been born. It'd have been better for me if, if I had never been alive, if I had never lived. So Job's, 
he's in a pretty bad spot. He's he's pretty depressed right now. He's pretty upset right now, and he's he's confused. He doesn't believe God loves him. He doesn't believe God is treating him fairly, and so he's he's saying, "Man, it'd be better for me that I had never been born." Let's quick, keep reading in verse number six. As for that night, let darkness seize upon it. Let it not be joined unto the days of the year. Let it not come into the number of the mouths of the uh, of the months. Sorry. Uh, Lo, let that night be solitary. Let no joyful voice come therein. Let them curse it that curse the day who are ready to raise up their morning. Let the stars of the twilight thereof be dark and let it look for light but have none. Neither let it see the dawning of the day because it shut up the doors of thy mother's womb nor hid sorrow from mine eyes. Why died I not from the womb? Why did I not give up the ghost when I came out of the belly? Why did the knees prevent me? Why or why the breast that I should suck? So right now, Job, he's, he's complaining once again about how he feels he's being treated. He feels he's being treated so unfairly that he goes, man, it's, it's better if I'd have not been born than if I was born that I was stillborn, that I, I had no life, that none of this happened to me. Uh, and really all he's doing, he's complaining about his circumstances. Now here's the thing. Uh, God doesn't care that we complain about the problems we face. You know, David in Psalms says, I poured my complaint out to the Lord. That word, that phrase literally means I vomited everything I thought was wrong with my life out on God. God doesn't mind us complaining about what we're facing, but complaining never changes anything. His circumstances aren't getting any better. His, his money's not coming back to him. His children are not coming back to him. Uh, everything is still the same. He's still sick. He's still broke. His wife has still told him to curse God and die. His kids are still dead. Complaining doesn't change anything. A lot of times what complaining does is it gets us in more trouble because we end up saying things or doing things that we really don't mean. We just say it in the heat of the moment because we're hurt, and we, have to, we end up having to go back and fix it. So let's keep reading verse number 17. There the wicked cease from troubling. And there the weary be at rest. There the prisoners rest together. They hear not the voice of the oppressor. The small and the great are there, and the servant is free from his master. Wherefore is light given to him that is in misery and life unto the bitter in soul, which long for death, but it cometh not, and dig for it more than hit for hid treasures, where it rejoices exceedingly and are glad when they can find the grave, why is light even to a man whose way is hid and whom God hath hedged in? For my sighing cometh before I eat, and my roarings are poured out like the waters. Here's what Job's saying there. Death is the great equalizer. The rich and the poor, the, the healthy and the sick, the joyful and the sorrowful, they're all equal in death. No matter how you lived your life, whether it's full of blessings and joy or whether it's full of sorrow and pain, for the believer, death makes us all equal. All of our pain is gone. All of our suffering is over. And we can, we can finally rejoice in eternity. But here's what it's really telling us. Job has lost his purpose in life. He's lost his, his feeling of God's love and God's justice. He feels as if God is treating him unfairly and that it's better for him to die because at least if he's dead, God can't... can't punish him anymore for things he didn't do or judge him for sins he hasn't committed and everything will be better 
if he were dead. He, he's lost the sense of the love of God. Now let's finish up uh, chapter 3 by reading verses 25 and 26. It says, for, this thi for the thing which I greatly feared has come upon me, and that which I was afraid of is come unto me. I was not in safety, neither had I rest, neither was I quiet, yet trouble came. So here's what Job's saying there. He had a good life. Uh, he had wealth. He had success. He had power and authority and respect. He had a good family. He, he had everything you could have imagined in life, but he still lived in fear. He lived in the fear that everything he had would one day be gone, and that's happened to him. He goes to think, my greatest fear has come true. So even though he, he had good stuff and he had everything we would uh, say was a successful person and everything that most people on earth strive for, he, he lived a fearful life. And God doesn't want us to live a fearful life. God, yes, God wants us to be blessed. Yes, God wants to bless us and give us good things, but God doesn't want us to live our life in fear, wondering when he's going to take it all away. And so there's a few lessons that we can learn from Job in this chapter about how we can live a life that is not controlled and marked by fear. So here's the first thing that we can do to live a life that isn't marked by fear. First of all, love God, not things. You know, in Exodus chapter 34, God comes to Moses and the nation of Israel, and he tells them, he goes, look, I'm a jealous God. I, I, I want all of your love and all of your affection. So don't set up idols, don't set up things that you love more than me, but love God completely. There's nothing wrong with enjoying things. There's nothing wrong with having things, but God says don't allow those things to become your God. And that, that's easy to do. It's easy to allow money and success and prosperity and even family to become an idol to us. And so God says, look, if you love those things more than you love me, you're always going to be fearful that you're going to lose those things. So don't love things. Love me more than you love anything. Here's the second thing that we can learn from Job is how not live in fear. Live for eternity, not for the here and now. In Chronicles, uh, the Israelite people, they, they're, they're kind of singing a song to God, and they say, we're pilgrims in this land. We're just sojourners here. They hadn't yet had their, you know, they had their homeland, but they've suffered, you know, persecution, and they've been, you know, had people come through and destroy their cities. And so they say, look, we're, we're just pilgrims in this land. This, this, it's like the old song says, this, this land is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. Our life is not lived for now. Our life should be lived for eternity. You know, the Bible says, lay up treasures in heaven. Don't worry about the treasures on earth. Again, yeah, have a job, have success, but get a savings, get an IRA, get a 401k, prepare for the future. But your main focus shouldn't be, what can I get for myself now, but what can I do for God, and what can I do for eternity? Here's the third thing. Understand that your purpose on this earth is to love God and live for God. You know, the Bible says in 1 John that we're not to love the world because the world is fleeting. The world is passing away. You know, uh, you can have a, a, a wonderful car. You can have a great house that you love and you cherish and you're so glad God's given it to you. You can have a great family that just brings you lots of joy. You can have everything that your heart desires, but it's, it's passing away. It's going to go away one day. 
your car's going to break down, your house may burn down, your, your kids are going to grow up and leave you, they may, your spouses may die before you. And so we don't really know, everything on this earth is temporal. Everything on this earth is temporary. And even if you outlive everything and your car you know, becomes a classic and you take care of it in your house, nothing bad happens to it and your kids still stay close and bring you joy and your spouse lives, lives uh, longer than you, when you die, you can't take it with you. So the purpose of your life is not to get stuff. It's not to accumulate possessions and prosperity and all those things. Your purpose in life is to live for God and to love God. And here's the fourth thing we can learn from Job and what he's dealing with in chapter 3. If we know God, really know God, then we can trust God. And as we trust God, that gives us security and stability. You know, Psalms 34 says, trust in the Lord and be fed. What that, what's that mean? Trust God and he'll take care of everything for you. You know, Jesus even said it, look, I take care of the birds of the field. I take care of the grass. I take care of the flowers. Of course, I'm going to take care of you. So don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to drink. Don't worry about what you're going to put on. Just trust God to take care of you. You know, it's easy in this life, especially in the culture we're in now and the way society is now, to live a fearful life, to be afraid of what's going to happen next, what's coming, what's coming next. You know, right now it's 2021. We just got through 2020, and that was a, a hard year where we had one thing after the other. We had a pandemic. We had, you know, murder hornets. We had mass unemployment and economic distress. We had the presidential elections and of course 2021 starts and it doesn't get much better we have you know riots in the in the capital and just just one bad thing after another bad thing after another bad thing so it's really easy to live a fearful life to be scared of when's the next shoe going to drop when's the next bad thing going to happen but god doesn't want us to live in fear the bible says god's not given us the spirit of fear god wants us to live joyfully god wants us to live confidently God wants us to live a life of purpose. And to do that, we have to love him more than we love things. We have to focus on eternity, not focus on now. We have to live for God and love God, and we have to trust God. And if we do those things, I'm not saying bad things won't happen, because bad things will happen, but we won't live a life of fear. Thanks so much for joining us today for our Word of the Day. Hope everyone has a blessed day. We'll see you tomorrow morning.